everybody. Welcome to the Street Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Hey, we're on episode 18 total for the podcast and part two of a four-part series called Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Light. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about a story that should hit home for all of us. Uh, the story is found in John chapter 8, and uh, I'm going to read it and uh, break it down as I go. Uh, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. You know, I mean, pretty simple. It sounds like a normal day for Jesus the rabbi sitting in the temple and teaching, right? Sets the stage for what's about to happen here. And then it goes on to say, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us uh, such women be stoned. Now what do you say? Okay, so let's first start off with the fact that this woman who was caught in sin, we don't normally think about this in this regard, but think about it. Like, we all have a secret sin, something that, that you know, we've either done or doing or have done in the past, whatever the case may be, that we don't want anyone to know about. Nothing. Maybe small for some, maybe huge for others, but we all have it. Now imagine, in the middle of that sin, in the middle of being that vulnerable and, uh, and that exposed that you're snatched, and you're not only just snatched and taken, but you're snatched and taken to a place where you don't want anyone to judge you. So a good example for us is say, you know, you're caught in the middle of, say adultery is your thing. You're in the middle of the act of adultery, so you're getting down to get down. The door busts open in the hotel where you're hiding at, and someone snatches you right in the act. And where do they take you? Right to church. (laughs) That's what happened to this woman. If you could just imagine how embarrassed you would feel, just, it's beyond embarrassed. I mean, you would just be mortified at what happened, right, in front of in front of all these people. These are your people. You know, this is your temple, your church. See, uh, these areas were very exclusive in how they, how they operated. It's not like they snatched her from another town, took a three-day journey, and went to another temple. Like, this was in her town. These were her people, and she was caught for all of them, Right. Then on top of it, the Pharisees, the people that caught you, they want to kill you. And in accordance with the law of Moses, they really have every right to do that. That really is, you know, within within their bounds. Right? So as we carry on with the story, it says, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So the question that many of us ask is, what was Jesus writing in the dirt? You know, it's something that, that obviously we will never know, but I've heard some interesting takes on it. One, um, the pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church um, said in a sermon once that he thought maybe uh, Jesus was writing the names of all the uh, mistresses of the Pharisees that were there actually accusing the woman to, to show them that, you know, he knows everything, right? Um, I mean, who knows? Could be. Maybe he was... Uh, writing all the laws, laws of Moses to remind the people of all the laws that we that they all broke, right? Um, maybe he was showing what little he thought of the Pharisees by not even paying attention while they were trying to, to do this commotion because he knew what he was doing. He's the son of God. He knows everything, right? So he knew what was going on. And it goes on to say, when they when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. 
At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. So notice that no one was worthy to condemn her, right? Started with the older ones first. They were probably wiser. You know, they probably realized quickly that they've lived a long life and there's no way that they couldn't have sinned. And we all know, you know, we all know the sins that we've committed. Even if we, you know, live within Christ and we know that we've been forgiven, we still know. We still know what we've done. Um, Jesus, you know, the real question and something that, that hit me when I was reading this story was the fact that who who really could condemn her in that situation, right? Jesus says, he who has not sinned, throw the first stone. Well, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that uh, of us ever to have lived a perfect life, a blameless life, right? He's the, he's the, the perfect lamb sacrifice for our sins. So he could have, but the question is, did he? And the answer is no. No, he did not. Going on with the story, he says, Jesus uh, straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So notice that he didn't ignore, he didn't ignore the woman's sin. He didn't make excuses for it either. But he also didn't condemn her for it. That's a very important part of the story that we're going to get to here. So let's talk about condemnation, right? Because there's a difference between condemnation and conviction, right? Condemnation means to consider something worthy of punishment, right? It leaves you feeling ashamed, guilt-ridden, and hopeless, essentially, right? That's condemnation. You're condemned. There is no option. There is no thing. You are guilty. You're awaiting for your punishment. Right, but Romans 8 teaches us that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we know right now as believers that we are safe from condemnation because we believe in Christ Jesus. And it's a very powerful statement that we need to recognize as believers. So if Jesus doesn't condemn us, then what does he do? And the answer is he convicts us. Right, and convictions mean... Um, Conviction means to bring something to light in order to correct it. So the difference between that is it leaves you feeling a sense of hope, gives you a way forward that you know that even though you've sinned and even though you are guilty of punishment, that that punishment is paid for through Christ Jesus, and therefore you have a hope, you have a fresh start, right? So Jesus saves us from condemnation through his sacrifice for us. He didn't do that for us to die, but to have eternal life. He gives us a chance to start fresh. By repentance and further into sanctification, we can also go in peace and sin no more, like the lady, like the adulterer from the story, right? Knowing that even if we sin again, that his sacrifice was so great and his grace, knowing no bounds, will be there to catch us and to give us the chance to start fresh again. We can therefore live in peace knowing that any feeling of guilt and condemnation is not from God. Condemnation comes from the evil one. It's there to trap us. It's there to make us feel guilt and shame and to think that there's no way forward in our lives because of what we've done. It's not from God. And that's the, the point I wanted to get across here 
through the story is that as we live our life, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. As believers, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, we have a one-on-one conversation piece with God ourselves. There's a little piece of God, part of the Trinity living inside of us. And when we do sin, which will happen, we all try through sanctification to, to live our lives in a way where the sin becomes less and less. But being, being human, it's bound to happen where we will eventually sin again. Um, as we go through that process, we have to realize that the, the things that we hear inside our head are not always from God. If it's a feeling of conviction, if it's one that you know you've done wrong and you feel guilty for it in a way, but not in a way that's going to condemn you, but in a way that's going to bring you back to the Lord through repentance, through coming back to him and begging for his forgiveness and coming back to him and showing him praise and glory and worship. That is a feeling of conviction. That is from God. Feeling of condemnation or condemnation comes from the devil, and he uses that as a tool. That tool uses to keep us in these spots in our lives where we feel guilty and ashamed of what we've done, and he can use this to either block good thoughts and good ideas that could be coming in ways that we could better our lives towards the glory of God. He uses it as a way to, to keep us weighted down and make us to where we feel like we're stuck and we can never be worthy of being a, a the children of God. He he uses all these things, and, he, and it creeps in your mind and in your heart with these things. And To recognize it, to recognize it, let, gives us the ability to overcome it. We can ask God for help. We can disregard those feelings because they are not from God. And from recognizing that, they lose all power. They lose all power for the devil to use that tool that he has to try to take over our feelings and our thoughts. And that, that is a very, very big step because any tool we can take away, any tool we can take away from the devil is another arrow in our quiver to help fight the battle of good versus evil that we're all here doing on this earth. You know, we see examples time and time again of people that are, are you know, people who wind up committing suicide are a great example someone that they they let the guilt and the shame of their lives or things that have happened to them that made them feel that way control their lives to the point where they felt like their lives weren't uh, worthy of living you know what what could their lives have been if they would have realized that those thoughts are thoughts from the devil that they're not they're not real they're not from god you know they're not the truth the truth is the light the light is jesus so to know that that there's no condemnation, like Romans 8 says, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus is enough for us to recognize that we are we are safe. We are safe. We may not be in a position that we want to be in in life. We may be going through trials and tribulations and things that make us hurt or suffer or wonder, but the, those feelings, those feelings are not from God that you're feeling. And knowing that there's hope at the end of the tunnel, those things really do drive us home for where we want to be at. You know, this brings up a lot of questions about where where some of the other parables of Jesus come into play and stuff like that. You know, we talk about uh, the prodigal son, like we talked about in previous episodes, you know, and that teaches us that, you know, Jesus is waiting for us. You know, God is waiting for us to come home no matter how far we failed. 
So this and that tie in together because those those feelings, those feelings that the prodigal son thought in in the story where he thought that his his dad would never accept him as a son, so he was going to try to come back as a servant. Those are feelings of condemnation. Those are from the evil one. Those are what we need to recognize. You know, uh, we have the story of the of the woman in the well, right? The Samaritan woman at the well. Um, sometimes these these feelings that we feel, this condemnation, um, doesn't always even come from ourselves. Sometimes those feelings can come from others. You know, the the when if you break down the story at the woman at the well, right? They the disciples and Jesus they get to the they get to the town, they get to the well, and the disciples go off to go get something to eat, right? Jesus is there because he knows the woman's coming, and it's, he's there to talk to her. But when they come back and they see him talking to this woman, it talks about the fact that they were surprised. They were surprised to see him talking to that Samaritan woman. Even though they might not necessarily have meant it, those thoughts of being surprised, why would he talk to her? He shouldn't be talking to her. He's better than her. Those are thoughts of condemnation. Those are examples of thoughts that come from the evil one and ones that we need to recognize in ourselves and from others and disregard them because they do not come from Jesus. And wrapping all this up, it comes to the simple fact that it tells us in the Bible that, you know, there's 99 or there's 100 sheep and one go missing. The good shepherd, who is Jesus, will leave the 99 to go find the one. He will go find you, and he won't condemn you. He will convict you to be better. He will pay the price for your sin. He has paid the price of your sin with his own death and resurrection. He was the sacrifice for your sins. In that, you can learn to live with a freedom, a freedom that everything's going to be okay, and you don't have to live with the burden of sin and pain in your life. You can live in the hope and the truth and the glory that is Jesus Christ. I hope that you all take a chance and look at your life and realize what what sins are holding you down and what condemnation that you're feeling from the evil one that's holding you down in your life. Maybe the thoughts that you're not good enough for something, maybe those thoughts you realize through this podcast aren't real, that you are good enough, that you were good enough for Jesus Christ to die for you. So you have to be good enough for that job that you're scared to interview for. You have to be good enough for your your family that you feel like you, you shame them by living your life in a bad way and you've broken a relationship with them. You, you have to realize that you're worthy of all those things. You are a child of God, and you cannot let the thoughts and the, and the fears of condemnation keep you from the life that God wants for you. With that being said, I hope that all of you, if you find those sins and you, and you find those fears, that you, that you pray and you repent for those sins and you ask God for forgiveness and you ask him for a way forward. You ask him to find the direction that you're supposed to go and then you go and you go without fear and you go without shame and you walk in the light that Jesus has, has died for you to have. And you live the life in freedom that he wants you to have. So let's go ahead and end this bad boy in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time we have with all the listeners here today, Lord. I thank you for opening up our hearts and minds to show us that the sins we have, that that they're not the death of us, that their penalty is death, but you paid that for us. 
and that through that that we can live a life of freedom knowing that through your grace and glory and love that we can be anything that you desired for us to be. I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity to share that message. And I hope that it touches one person. One one person listening to this makes it all worthwhile. We thank you. We love you. We pray that we can do all things through you. It's in Jesus' almighty and all-powerful name we pray. Amen.